Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the First in Orange podcast, your Broncos podcast, presented by the Denver Post. My name is Nick Cosmetter, and I am joined by my colleague, Nikki Javala. Nikki, how's it going? It's great. Second wave of free agency. <laughs> Feeling good. Uh, it's been it's been more like a ripple with the with the yeah, Broncos so I, far. That's that's yeah that's <laughs> being kind. I would guess there's yeah. not much happening. Although, so they they did make we'll, we'll go we'll kind of reset because the last time that we did this podcast it was right after Case Keenum uh, the the deal was announced. Um, since then we got an opportunity um, to to meet Case Keenum over at Dove Valley to talk to to he and John Elway and and, and Vance Joseph um, about you know, about his being here and, and what's next. So let's start there. What what were your just sort of takeaways from, um, you know, Case meeting the media, what you sort of thought about um, the way he, he presented himself? I thought he was really impressive. Um, just as a person, I thought he was really well poised. Um, he, I, I like his history, how he's, um, he's had to earn his way onto everything. He wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school, um, only got one offer from University of Houston. Uh, went undrafted, has had to kind of fight his way onto rosters as both a starter and a backup, and here he is. Um, I like that. I like a guy that knows kind of what it takes to be a starter in this league, to, to really put the work in to get there. So that part I thought was really impressive. Um, I, I thought he said all the right things, honestly, but I, you know, it, everything changes once uh, camp begins, once the game begins. So, um, you know, you just really hope he's that guy that we saw last season in Minnesota and not, you know, some of the other stints he's had with L.A. or, or Houston. Right. So we'll see with that. I thought it I thought it was interesting because at the very end of John Elway's um, period in which he introduced Keenum, at the very end he says, um, you know, your, your new starting quarterback for, for the Denver Broncos. And, you know, Keenum said that that was the first time that I've been, like, named – the starting yeah. quarterbacks, and that, that it's like you said, that's kind of wild that here he is, 30 years old, um, at this stage in his career, and it's going to be the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously started um, He started in uh, L.A. for the Rams the year that they drafted Jared mm-hmm. Goff. He started the season as the starter, but you mm-hmm. kind of – it was a situation where he knew that, that right. they drafted this guy. He was going to be coming in, yeah. and, and obviously it happened, I think, midway through the season that Goff eventually became the starter. This, as of right now, is a different different situation. Right. Right. I mean, they signed him to be the starter. They have $18 million fully guaranteed for this season, another $7 million fully guaranteed for next season. So it's practically like a year-and-a-half tryout, which is good for him, good for the team, good for him if he really impresses because then he has a chance to kind of double-dip in free agency and get a bigger deal. Um, good for the Broncos because it lets them see which case Keenum he is. Um, and if he's the good one, you can extend him. If not, you can kind of look again at the draft and free agency and kind of look at your options there. Um, but it does make their options really interesting now. In, in the first round, they got 10 picks and that number five pick in the first round. So uh, in landing their starting quarterback, it kind of opens it up to so many possibilities at number five. Yeah, and, and we'll definitely get into uh, – we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the scenarios with that, with that fifth pick um, going forward. I, the one thing I took away was almost – it's kind of like what we're talking about, but there was this sort of palpable sense of relief, I thought, from both, you know, just, just from the organization in general, that they finally do have, you know, a starting quarterback. Ever since Peyton Manning retired following the 2015 season, the quarterback position in Denver, um, one of the one of the more um, scrutinized positions, um, certainly the most scrutinized position in the city and then, you know, in almost all of the NFL, um, 
has been a, a, a complete uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've had to deal with that since Manning left. You know, the, obviously after he retired, um, you know, they they had Trevor Simeon there. They drafted Paxton Lynch, and then they tried to bring in Mark Sanchez. Um, you know, that didn't work last off season. There was that kind of constant dance around Tony Romo. Obviously, he didn't come back and play football. Mm-hmm. And then you went you went just with the two other guys that you had. And, you know, I, I think Vance Joseph said, look, that, that results in, in guys, they can't fully practice what they want to practice. They can't fully get into the scheme. They can't fully get with the quarterback and just really pound in who the people are that are going to be running an offense, mm-hmm. um, how they're going to work together. And I think this finally... It seems like they're relieved that this gives them that opportunity. Yeah, and it should. I mean, you know, we talked to all the players over the last couple of years, and, you know, they try to re- remain politically correct and say all the things that they had to um, because they're teammates with these guys. But we all knew it was difficult. You try to build chemistry with three guys because you're not sure which one is going to be your starter. That's a very hard thing to do. When, also, when everybody's learning new playbooks at the same time. I mean, they changed twice. Right. So, yeah, this, this gives them some peace of mind, but it also will hopefully create some continuity from day one. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, Bill Musgrave is relatively new when you talk about um, being now the offensive coordinator, but at least he's had a year in this system. The, right. the, the turnover, not just at quarterbacks, but you've written about this a lot, at coordinator, at quarterbacks mm-hmm. coach. That has been so fluid. So that, that I think, is the one positive the Broncos can take away from that is that they, they'll have a quarterback that they can start at OTAs with, with a coordinator who they got to work under a little bit last year. And, and it, should, it should put, um, I, I think, a little more stability as they approach the offseason. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a good thing. I think there are, there are a lot of criticisms about the deal, about getting Case Keenum himself. But in my mind, it's look at your options. To me, I thought the deal – and the quarterback were the best that were available for the Broncos. It made the most sense. Um, you know, getting Kirk Cousins, who could turn out to be a really great quarterback long-term, but for now has not won a playoff game, getting him on a three-year fully guaranteed deal when the Broncos don't have a ton of cap space and have a lot of holes to fill, to me that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I thought the, the fit for Minnesota and the contract, the, mm-hmm. the sort of um, – you know, really revolutionary contract in which he got, like you said, three years, 86 or 84, 86 million guaranteed. Um, that was That's a prudent deal to make for the Vikings, who are likely only an upgraded quarterback away from, from contending and perhaps winning a Super Bowl. Um, and then obviously, so you can argue whether they really even did improve that position given the year that right. Case Keenum had last year. Um, but yeah, it just would not have been, once you found out what those numbers were and how the contract was structured, mm-hmm. it, it just wouldn't have been prudent for a team like the Broncos that still had to make um, so many other additions and adjustments. And, and that sort of brings brings us in now to, to free agency as we sit here now on uh, Thursday, March 22nd. We're almost fully through the second week um, a free agency. Nikki, just sort of reset, if you can, where the Broncos are in terms of who, what, what deals they've made so far. Right, so obviously Case Keenum is a big one. They got their starting quarterback there. Um, they re-signed Todd Davis, three years, $15 million, and Brandon Marshall's contract, his salary became fully guaranteed, so the inside linebacker group remains intact. Um, yesterday, they brought in three guys, defensive tackle Clinton McDonald, um, got him on a two-year deal. Um, this is an eight-year veteran who's a backup uh, in Tampa last season, but 
really a well-respected guy. He played with Ron Leary at Memphis. Um, great guy on the field and off the field. So he could be a really key addition to that line, which has been depleted at various points because of injuries. Um, remember, Jared Crick is a free agent this year, so is Billy Wynn. So he kind of fills a need there. They also brought in um, a kicker and a long snapper who, you know, I, I kind of view as just kind of competition in camp, and competition is always a good thing. But Those were not necessarily Richter scale moves. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you got to remember they, they re-signed Braden McManus, mm-hmm. and his $2.25 million salary became fully guaranteed Sunday, so they're not parting with him. And they tendered their um, their long snapper, Casey Kreider, so they want him back. But it's good to bring in depth and competition, especially on special teams, which has been anything but special for the Broncos over the last couple seasons. So they still got to make more moves. I mean, I think a lot of people are sitting back wondering what are they doing because um, there's, not, there's not a whole heck of a lot left on the market. Um, but I, I think I think they – do want to look at their options at, at tackle. They may turn to the draft for that. It wouldn't surprise me if they did that. I think they're still looking at their options at tight end. Um, they really need to get in. Uh, they need to get some more pass catchers, be a receiver, tight end. Um, so I think they're still looking at their options there. But depth anywhere across the board, they could use it right now. Yeah. So let, let me just ask you: Are are you kind of surprised that I mean, given given the moves that they made to free up the cap space? Obviously, the Akib Talib deal being the biggest one of those, but other moves, restructuring Von Miller's contract that they've done to open up cap space for this year, and then signing Keenum to to a lower deal than probably what was originally thought the Broncos might have to spend on a quarterback. Are you surprised that they haven't been um, in the mix for some of the bigger names that came off the board in the first week or so? Yeah, a little bit. I thought they would be a little bit more active. I know quarterback was a priority, and you know they got that done first. Um, but I thought they would be a little bit more active in the ensuing moves. Uh, it's not to say they won't. Again, we're only like a week and a half into free agency. And there's always a possibility of trades. There's always a possibility of another big signing. Um, you know, And I, I wouldn't put that past Elway. Um, remember, he's been gone uh, most of this past week or so because of the competition committee meetings in Florida. Um, he's out of town now, and then he'll be at the owners' meetings in Orlando later this month. So it's kind of an interesting situation there. But, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say it's over by any means. Right. I, I still think they have plenty of time and certainly plenty of money now um, to make the moves that they want. Um but, I, you know, I know a lot of the fans just want to see something big, something wow now, you know? Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I, I, I would say that I, I was surprised. Um, mm-hmm. Just my kind of initial reaction of seeing some of the top free agents um, go into places that, um, you know, you look at, look at where they go, what the money that they kind of get and say, that guy is probably somebody that Broncos mm-hmm. could have used and, and maybe mm-hmm. could have gotten – but I kind of go back to um, what, what John Elway said at the Combine is he really has been sort of reiterating the fact quite a bit during the offseason that he's going to depend pretty heavily uh, on internal improvement. He, mm-hmm. he feels like his roster um, you know, has, has good players who simply didn't play well last mm-hmm. year. Now, I, I guess you can argue that as, as to whether guys who had off years, um, you know, Demarius Thomas – Still had a good year, but by his standards was lower than he had. Uh, obviously, Emmanuel Sanders hurt in, in for, for much that he missed four games, was hurt in some of the other 12 that he played. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, he's just looking at guys who are going to have to step up, guys who didn't even play last year, like Carlos mm-hmm. Henderson and Jake Butt. Um, it, it, am I right in thinking that that's that's a that's part of maybe this is that they're they're really counting on guys they already have. Absolutely, you got to remember their their entire 2017 draft class outside of Garrett Bowles really didn't do anything. Uh, in fact, you could argue that maybe they caused a little they caused more problems than uh, solve them. Right. Um, you know, thinking of Isaiah McKenzie, but you hope he can improve if they plan on keeping him. But yeah, they're really banking on a lot of those guys coming back from injuries, stepping up, and overall being a drastic improvement. Um, from what they were collectively last season. I think Carlos Henderson they have high hopes for. He was on injured reserve the entire year. Jake Butt is certainly, I would argue, he's he's the one they have the highest hopes for. Um, he, he's a good kid. He's worked hard. I think I know he was disappointed. He had to sit out all of last season. Um, but they haven't had that, that red zone threat since Julius Thomas left. Yeah. Maybe he could be that. Um, he's still, in my mind, an unknown at this point because he's hardly practiced with the team. He's certainly never played a game with them. So you don't really know what he is until he gets out there. But he's one they, they really have some high expectations for. So, yeah, that's when Elway said that, you know, it, the current players have to play better too. I mean, it's it's veterans, it's rookies, it's, it's everybody. Um, so, I mean, his hope is that you know that group will step up collectively and that they'll bring in new talent to complement it. So yeah, we'll <laughs> yeah. See. I mean that that's it is obviously that's. I mean, there's not much you do in an off season that doesn't carry risk. Right. Whether it's saying we're going to bank on these players who um, either didn't play at all last year or were you know bit right. players, D'Angelo Henderson being another guy right. uh, in the backfield who had very limited action. Showed some nice signs when he did play, but mm-hmm. perhaps a guy that they'll they'll rely more heavily on. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I'm, I've been particularly surprised, I guess, by um, the approach to the the tight end position. I wrote about that today, and um, you know just what a what an outlet Kyle Rudolph was for Case mm-hmm. Keenum last year. He caught 14 passes on third down alone. The Broncos on their roster have tight ends who have currently caught caught a combined 17 passes total last year combined. Yeah. Um, it's so been you, a problem for years. Like we yeah. when Gary Kubiak came in, everybody was like, "Oh, this is great for the tight end group because Kubiak loves his tight ends. Like right. he would use multiple tight end sets often." But that group, ever since Julius Thomas left, has never really, you know, lived up to the expectations. And I remember talking to Joel Dreesen about this too, and um, because he played for Kubiak, remember, so he he knows what it's supposed to look like, and obviously uh, a great tight end himself. Um, so it's been kind of perplexing for everybody as to why isn't this working out? Because they, they do have some talent in that group. They yeah. have for the last few seasons, but it's never really panned out. So I mean, we just talked about this before, but like you look at a guy like Jeff Hireman, mm-hmm. and I wrote he looks like a Von Drago. I mean, he, he looks really like does. a specimen yeah. at the position. And then you see the 54-yard touchdown yeah. catch he makes – uh, against Indianapolis and when he snares the ball out of the sky and breaks a tackle and you're just like man that guy yeah. seemingly could be making plays that's like that why all they the drafted him because he, he's an athletic freak right. but he hasn't been able to stay healthy and stay you know get a full season out of him it's right. been what, yeah, injury three years he, now I mean from yeah. day one literally like his second day of um, his ACL of mini yeah I mean that's mini-camp. brutal and then you think about the transition rookies go through anyway just in terms of you know, learning the team or learning the playbook, that sets you back. He's doing that while rehabbing yeah. from an ACL. Yeah. Um, but before before camp last fall, um, John Elway said, I think this is going to be a breakout year for, for Jeff, and uh, we're counting on him. And 
like you said, injuries are some of it. I think obviously inconsistent um, quarterback play for a lot of the players was a big part of it. But the end result was that he had the same catches, same amount of catches nine last season than he did in in 2016, and that was while playing uh, two fewer games. So they're gonna, I think, obviously they're still riding on him. Really gonna hope that with with some consistent quarterback play. Um, that he can he can bust out a little bit mm-hmm. um, as free agency doesn't what are what are maybe some other positions maybe on the defensive end we know that they got Tremaine Brock mm-hmm. um, the cornerback to, to kind of alleviate some of that veteran mm-hmm. leadership that uh, or, or you know at least veteran experience that they lost with with Talib. where else do you kind of see some moves that could be made before the draft starts well, they they need depth. I mean, with Corey Nelson gone, they they need depth. Perhaps at linebacker, somebody who can also play special teams too. That though that might be a position better off, you know, in the draft. Depends on who they can get and for how much. But it they need you know coverage guy in special teams and and depth at inside linebacker. Um, that would be a big one for me. They might also want uh, more depth at outside linebacker because. You gotta consider the the what ifs coming up for them there. They got Chuck Barrett, who they used a second round tender on him, but that mean in, that means in a year he'll be unrestricted. They have to decide what they're gonna do with Shane Ray's fifth year. So do you wanna bring in some depth there and kind of make sure you're okay? I, I still would like to see more depth on the line. Honestly, they've dealt with so many injuries there that the more the better. Honestly, yeah. um, and I it, it sounds like things have. They've certainly stalled with the Sua Cravens talk. Last I heard, the Redskins were asking quite a bit. Um, but Sua Cravens recently signed with Peter Schaefer, who's a Denver-based uh, agent, also C.J. Anderson's agent. So you never know what's kind of cooking over there if they try to make a move to get him to. Yeah. Um, yeah, that it's. I, I agree with you specifically. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the offensive line, that's, that's another issue too, that you know, right tackle, we, we mentioned a little bit at the top, but right tackle is probably – the biggest area I think left on on the offense that they need to address, and, and there are still a few, um, you know, veteran free agents. I think there there's hope that they have that Menelik Watson can come back uh, after a rocky year, and a lot of it that he missed injured. But that's kind of been the story of his career. He's he's right. very rarely been able to stay healthy um, through any kind of extended period of time. So perhaps they perhaps they look for that position um, in, in the draft and sort of go from there maybe they mm-hmm. uh, John Elway mentioned that he thinks Billy Turner um, mm-hmm. might be able to come back and he also mentioned that he thinks just uh, they're gonna do some things protection wise in general mm-hmm. that that could help um, can, can kind of help on that yeah. what, what do you what do you think of kind of that that was part of the reason that they went to right. two offensive line coaches yeah yeah well they also want to develop some of these younger guys that are coming in and it's that position especially is harder for younger guys because it's a completely different game and you have to know every facet of it as an offensive lineman. So um, I, I think that was one of the things is to help with development of younger guys, but they also want to kind of have it be more seamless on the offensive line. I mean, like you said, they've changed coaches, quarterbacks, systems. Um, they tried to blend both the power and zone blocking last year, and that did not work out. So. They need some cohesion on that line. I think that's what they thought of when they got these guys. I think they also really like the coaches. Um, the guy that's coaching the tackles, he most recently coached at UTEP, where mm-hmm. you know Will Hernandez is um, a big-time prospect coming out this year. But um, this is kind of like his specialty. So I, I feel like in getting guys are really comfortable with at that position, it helps. Yeah. Let's let's kind of make our last segment be the uh, the 2018 NFL Draft, which is now just uh, 
a month and four days away from beginning in Dallas, can you almost just sense the hype? It's it's getting so close, and yet we still have yeah. probably just hours and hours of. So you think about Monday. how much could change? <laughs> uh, yeah, so so let's let's start there. The Broncos, as as um, you know, unless you've been living under a rock for the last year, have the fifth overall pick, um, and and you mentioned it kind of right as we got started that, you know, I, I think that with the signing of Case Keenum with naming him the starter, with writing behind him. They now have uh, some options. But but let's look at one of them. Certainly, I think, um, drafting a quarterback is still one of those options. I think it becomes less of a necessity than it might have been mm-hmm. prior to getting Keenum mm-hmm. if you had gotten maybe a so-called lesser guy. Um, but in your mind, still a possibility mm-hmm. that they go the quarterback route. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and I've, I've said this many times, but I think... A, their decision to go quarterback at number five or not go quarterback is dependent on their faith on Paxton Lynch because they already have the money invested in in Case Keenum for at least a year, right? So if they don't feel confident enough that Paxton Lynch could be one snap away from starting or eventually maybe assume a starting role just in case they don't feel Case Keenum is their guy going forward, then that's why you take a quarterback at that spot because you need a clear you need a clear number two who could eventually move up into a starting role. It's um, a good if, point. And, and Vance Joseph mentioned last week yeah. that that was one of the reasons they liked Keenum is because yeah. they feel like the offense that they'll kind of work around his talent right. um, could also fit a lot of Paxton Lynch's right. strengths as well. Right. So that that would be that's my thinking. If they go quarterback number five, it means a they really like a guy. They like him enough to take him because that's a they haven't had a number five pick since Von Miller, and they've only had a number a top five pick since. Um, Von Miller's number two, but I'm saying a top five pick since 11. They haven't had one. Um, they haven't had. They've only had two since, yeah, since Pat Bowlen purchased right. the team. So and they both they've taken the linebacker, linebacker. both both times. So they have to like a guy enough to use that pick on them. Um, and that means they they like him more than perhaps Paxton Lynch. Yeah, that that that's my thought too. I, I think that. If you are going to draft a quarterback, you have to very much trust the scouting that you have done in advance of the draft. And by that I mean you select maybe one guy or two guys that you say, we would. that's our guy. That's the guy that would fit in with us. That's the guy who would be able to um, really just carry this franchise in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but then have the discipline to say, here we are at number five. The quarterback that's available, yeah, we kind of liked him, but maybe maybe not not as much as we – and I, I think I talked about this last time. But to me, if you are going to go quarterback at number five, it has to be a guy that you really, really wanted because that's such a high pick. You mentioned it. It's a rare opportunity that this franchise has had, um, to, and that's a testament to how good they've been that, they, that it is such a rare opportunity. But the opportunity to select in the top five is, I think, so crucial, mm-hmm. whether you use it or whether you gain a lot of assets by trading back. So if you do use it on a quarterback, it better be the guy that you really wanted. Absolutely. I mean, this is a this is a pick they have to get right. There's a lot of pressure when you have a top five pick. So um, if you go quarterback, especially with their recent history of drafting quarterbacks and signing quarterbacks, I mean, they they knocked it out of the park with Peyton Manning, but you think about their draft picks: Brock Osweiler, Zach Dyser, Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, who they had hopes for, but the it was just a mess by the end. It hasn't worked out. I mean, the trades: Mark Sanchez, that didn't work out. Right. So, you know, at some point, if you're gonna pick a quarterback, you 
better be pretty certain he's your guy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. No, you're, you're right. They, they can't afford to miss it. And so that kind of brings me to another scenario, and that is to you to stay in the top five but use that pick on a blue-chip non-quarterback prospect. And I thought that the move that the, um, that the uh, Jets made mm-hmm. to jump into the top five last week, I thought that kind of perhaps – moved the odds more in the direction of the Broncos not going quarterback because what now could very well happen is the um you know the Browns could take a quarterback at one um the Giants I, I think maybe a little less likely but certainly if they're in love with a guy could take another quarterback at number two mm-hmm. um the Jets we know are going to take a quarterback at number three that's an almost certainty and then who knows? Maybe maybe another team jumps in front of uh, maybe mm-hmm. trade Cleveland trades a second pick, and another mm-hmm. team that needs a quarterback like Arizona or Miami right. um, or or Buffalo jumps mm-hmm. up into that mix, mm-hmm. and then you're looking at a situation where okay, we literally now have our pick of the best non quarterback. Yeah. Uh, that's a, like maybe a that dream would be scenario. ideal, yeah, because yeah, then you could get Saquon Barkley. <laughs> sure, let's just make that happen. Well, yeah, drop the mic. So yeah, that, Saquon that, Barkley obviously at the top of my list. If he's like miraculously available at number five, I would be shocked if he is. I saw but, I saw something in the Indy Star writing the other day. Like, could the Colts ha- have a shot at Saquon Barkley? I'm like, oh sure. Why not? Why doesn't the uh, why don't the Patriots just plan on right, getting him at this right. point? No, he's, he's obviously number one. Right, but that's you know slim chance there. Number two would probably be Bradley Chubb on my list, just because he's he's that rare dominant defender and you know John Elway loves his rare dominant defenders um, you know you can talk about Von Miller Shane Ray these are the guys he really covets in the draft um, and even though they have Vaughn and Shane and Shaq too I I don't think it would preclude him from bringing in another pass rusher no. put on the end there and you know really puts the pressure on DeMarcus Walker to yeah. really step up yeah and I mean you you look at you I mean, you talk about the AFC West all the time. Like, you need two yeah. dominant pass rushers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that, that's the model that the yeah. Chargers have found once they got yeah. going last year, almost made the playoffs yeah. because of Mel- Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa just wreaking havoc. Well, I thought one of their biggest losses in free agency after the Super Bowl season was Malik Jackson. Um, and they haven't yeah. really filled his void. So if you bring in a Bradley Chubb, put him on end, and he can wreak havoc there. That's huge. I think Derek Wolf is great against a run. He's also pretty good against the pass. But you bring in another really great guy on the end, that could really help that defense. Yeah, no, they certainly could use some help on the end. There, there's no doubt about that because, A, um, you ha- you mentioned Wolf, and as, as solid he's has been for most of his Broncos career, coming off the neck injury, you know that yeah. that's that's obviously always a concern. And then um, Adam Gotsis, who started at the other end this year, he's still awaiting to find out whether he'll be charged in Fulton County with um, you know with sex, sexual assault crimes. So mm-hmm. um, that's another thing that that is is up in the air. So I, I would certainly agree. I think defensive end is is a pretty all of a sudden a pretty big position of need behind those two. You know Zach Kerr. A guy who kind of was up and down last year. There's just not, right. as well as the defensive line played going into this year. There's not a lot of depth right. at that spot. You right. know, Shelby Harris, again, a guy that I think has a ceiling in terms of how good he can really be. Yeah, yeah, it would be an immediate impact. And and, and even though I think the scheme might be a little different, you, in the nickel, you you're going to have extra pass rushers on the field all the time. Yeah, yeah. So he's Barkley, Chubb, and then my number three would be Quentin Nelson. Yeah. And, you know, nobody, everybody's like, oh, guard at number five, are you serious? 
this kid is a monster. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's thrown grown men in games. Like, he's a rare breed of guard. And you just think about all the problems the Broncos have had on the line, how he could boost a run game, too. That would be pretty great if they could really shore up the line there and bring him in so yeah, we, that's my one two and three we don't we don't make a we don't make a lot of habit out of trying to agree with mark kisla um but that, <laughs> <laughs> sorry mark sorry mark we love you buddy no but uh, i kid but he he wrote that uh i think either today or yesterday that he thought um he's kind of on that boat with quentin nelson of course mark's a bit of a notre dame guy and we we know that but i i agree with you i i thought that just, just the impression that he gave off, and I know standing up at a podium and, and and the words you speak are a lot different than what you actually do on the mm-hmm. field. But his tape is just like, yeah. it, it, he's a different guy playing that that right. position. And if you draft a pro, a pro bowler automatically, and it does, it, it is interesting that that you that you hear about fans saying like, oh, you can't draft a guard there, but it's like the same Why? group that just constantly. Who says you can't? There is, <laughs> there obviously is no rule, but also the the fact that like they're constantly. Um, and, and a lot of it warranted, but just constantly complaining about the offensive line thing. That's the whole reason this team is, is struggling. And yes, the, the line has its struggles, but if you look statistically, um, it's not, it wasn't one of the worst two or three offensive lines in the league. They've had a plethora of issues, but I think you get a guy like him mm-hmm. and, and maybe get a, a, a little bit more of a solid choice at right tackle, and all of a sudden you, you might be pretty good there. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially if you're going to be a team that really wants to, to run, run the ball. So we'll just we'll just quickly close with this then. If so, so th- those are the two scenarios. Those are the first two scenarios we talked about. Is going ahead and drafting the quarterback at five, um, or or in this scenario, this other scenario in which the quarterbacks run off the board and then it gets to five, and the Broncos don't have a quarterback available mm-hmm. that they wanted. They can get one of those other guys we talked about. Um, but what about what about moving back? And 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 obviously we talked about the teams that need to come up and get a quarterback. Um, Miami, Arizona, Buffalo, or, or, or perhaps some of those, with all these needs that they addressed, mm-hmm. um, that seems to be a, another option when you're in this position yeah. that they could move back and pick up a couple yeah. more assets. And a very appealing one too, because you could pick up a number of picks. Um, you could still get a quality player in the first round. Um, to me, that opens up your options because you could perhaps get you know a lineman late in the first round. You could still get a quarterback late in the first round who could be a, a really good backup for you going forward or maybe even a starter, who knows. Um, there's still so many skill position players that are available late in the first round. To me, it, it opens up your options even more. And I, I think it's a very real possibility that they have to consider um, just in you know, racking up more picks to kind of bolster the roster. Yeah, and, and um, the the Jets trade that we mentioned earlier, uh, their swap with the Colts sort of set, I think, the bar just in moving up three picks. Um, the Jets gave up, I think, was it two second rounders this year? And um, and then another one. I believe so. I think that's what it yeah. was. I believe, I believe it was two second rounders in 2018 and then another second rounder in 2019. So three picks just to move three spots. You know that's a pretty big move, and, and shows so, you how much those top five picks are worth, which right. is why it's appealing to trade back. Right, exactly, appealing to trade back, and they're but on the same token, they're worth a lot because of the the game changing type players that you could potentially get at number five. So I think that in the end, I, I think the one really good positive thing that came, or or at least one of the initial positive things that comes from the Case Keenum signing, is that the Broncos now have a lot of options that they can work with um, at, at number five. And, and that's when you're in a position of power in the draft like that, that's what you want. You want options. So we'll, um, we'll obviously continue to, to keep that track. Any other thoughts before we uh, 
kick out of here? Yeah, I hope yeah. they make some more moves. <laughs> What's next, John? <laughs> what is next? We'll obviously be uh, be bringing all of those to you as they happen, as we always do. DenverPost.com slash Broncos. Be sure to um, subscribe if you haven't already. Support local journalism. 99 cents for the first month at DenverPost.com. And you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other of your favorite podcast apps. For Nikki Javala, I'm Nick Kosmutter. We'll talk to you guys again soon.